From right here in the beautiful Flathead Valley, I'm Micah Drew, and this is the Flathead Beacon Podcast for Wednesday, October 6th. Montana is home to a number of heritage apple orchards that have been producing fruit for decades, even going back to the early 1900s. Many of the oldest orchards in the state are remnants of old homesteads when trees were planted for sustenance, while others go back to early commercial operations. One Kalispell orchard, planted by Rog McKeever, is only 23 years old, but it's the largest collection of fruit trees and apple varieties in the state of Montana. Rod started his home orchard project in 1997 to feed his love for gardening and the natural world, and he operates it as part experiment and part commercial operation with the dual purposes of searching for apple varieties that thrive in Montana's climate as well as selling trees to the public to offer the everyday consumer a wider variety of fresh fruit options. I've spent several hours out with Rod at his orchard over the past few weeks, and he talked about many of his favorite fruits, the history of his orchard, and what a day in his life looks like. But before we get to that conversation, a reminder that this episode of the Flathead Beacon podcast is made possible in part by members of the Flathead Beacon Editors Club. Members support all of our journalism in all of its forms, in print, online, and here in the podcast studio, and they do so for as little as $5 per month. Members get some extra perks too, so if you want to find out more or join today, visit beaconeditorsclub.com. All right, now on to parts of my conversation with orchard owner Rod McKeever, who I talked to at his orchards last week. As a note, these interviews were conducted outside in the orchard, so there is a decent amount of ambient noise, but I think you'll enjoy the conversation. It's always gardening. I started to take my surplus to the farmer's market. Figured out I had pretty good land here, and it was just fascinating, always fascinated with fruit trees because we couldn't grow many of them in South Carolina. The heat, the pest, just got more and more fascinated with fruit trees and having limited space. I learned to graft. And some of the trees you've never heard of, they just tend to be really good. So that's, that's what I do is try to dig out existing trees. I'm strictly looking for what's already out there, but just not had a chance to express itself here in Montana. Well, you have, I mean, when we were walking around the other day, you have, I mean, just an incredibly encyclopedic brain about everything that you grow. I mean, you can identify everything off of sight, and you can basically talk taste, texture, and everything about everything you grow. How do you uh, keep it all straight? I don't. I, lose <laughs> I just keep trying to trying to replace what I lose by staying <laughs> staying interested. <laughs> People bring me apples, and half the time I say, oh, I don't know. <laughs> so Katrina had a good house. She said, guess, Macintosh, wealthy, yellow transparent, transcendent. And, and uh, Dutchie said, that'll cover most of the time. <laughs> but if it's one I have, I usually spot that one. I usually spot that one. Or sometimes if there's something like look alike, I say, well, let's go out in the orchard and hold it by these and so many little things on an apple. It's not mm-hmm. as simple as keying out a flower, which has all these dramatically different parts. An apple, pretty much an apple, but the stem length, the stem thickness, the stem shape, the depth of the cavities at each end, the shape, the color, and the time it ripens. All of these things, all of these things figure into what it is. And then, of course, the taste and texture, you know, all of that. But I don't have a good memory for taste and texture. I just remember I like them, and then it's kind of a pleasant surprise every year they come in what it tastes like <laughs> just for for fun can you describe a couple of your favorite varieties we'll start with the martha 
That Martha is my favorite tree. And the, and the Martha is really good, but it's, most people's complaint, it's too sour. It has a wonderful flavor. Why is the Martha your favorite? Oh, yeah, well, the, well, the Martha is a beautiful apple. It's yellow wash with bright red, small and perfectly shaped. It's a really tough tree. It's sort of immune to disease. It's, it's half crab. That makes, that makes trees a lot tougher when you go mm-hmm. further back to roots. It has a really complex flavor underneath all that acidity. It's just that's what got me started grafting. One of my friends had that tree back in the woods. It's all over Montana, scattered around. And it took me 10 years to figure it out. But it was popular at one time because it was so tough. It's from Minnesota. And it's just got a great, crisp, strong, fl- complex flavor, but a good a good little kick of acid in there with it. And, and a, a great crunch for the first three or four weeks. Then it finally turns mushy like most, most early apples. It is a fairly early apple, but... And then I really like the gourmet pear because it's a first. It's from South Dakota, so it can grow anywhere. Cold, and it's a cross between Asian and European, so it has the crunch of the Asian pear, but the flavor of a of a really good European pear. Most Asian pears are just boring as hell when you grow up this far north. Maybe down, maybe in Asia they're good. But they're just mostly like sugar water with a tiny hint of pear in it. And as I said. The, Italian prune is just the best plum around, but the next best is a Seneca, which is bigger and softer and a little sweeter, but not quite as complex. It does really well around here. It's from Cornell. I'm a big believer in Cornell. Even though I'm a southerner, I think Cornell is the place. <laughs> I get a lot of my rootstocks, a lot of the, a lot of the plants. The Liberty, which is an improved Macintosh, which doesn't pre-harvest drop and doesn't, doesn't turn mushy. It's, a really, it's good for the home oysters because it's immune to almost all diseases. Mm. And it's a really good flavorful apple, a beautiful dark red apple. And, and uh, I could just go on and on. I could bore you. And the, and the incarnation. It just barely gets ripe around here, but it is so good when it gets ripe. It is really complex, a lot of flavors. Yes. Like the wines, people talk about a hint of this and that. Well, apples have that. They'll have a hint of banana and raspberry and all, all, all this other stuff. And it just makes for a really, really, really interesting combination. So the Ashmeets kernel is just outstanding apple if it'll ripen <laughs> which is tricky around here global warming is not making it any easier because um, it's the extreme early and late frost that really are the limiting factors yeah. and they're becoming more common so actually I think our range is being restricted rather than <laughs> rather than increased by global warming One and I, and my best summer apple I, I, most summer apples are a little bland and a little soft but there's an apple called a nig which is just as good an apple as you'll ever eat any time of the year <laughs> But it was advertised as a shy barrel, so it never bore anything for about five years. Then it had a good harvest last year, and didn't get a single one this year. So that's not, probably that's not an apple to sell, but that's the best summer apple there is. <laughs> and I love the name, the Enigma. <laughs> you know? Do you have a, a sense of, of the size of your yield every year? Well, I, I, I probably sell an average, it'd be about 70 pounds a week Yeah, there. 70 pounds. So... 30 pounds a week considering, considering both markets and, and uh, well I'm sure I grind up a half a ton every year <laughs> of the cider <laughs> and, I, and I give a lot of the cider away to people that come and help me make it because mm-hmm. I only have one freezer and I can only drink so much hard cider so, so I, I guess the variety is my product yeah. not, the, not the variety and the interest of doing your own thing is my product and then one other thing I wanted to ask about, do you go out and about in the valley here looking for 
Not as anything? much as I should, because I I call this place the goddamn prison farm. But people come and bring me stuff and tell me about stuff, and yeah. I'll follow up on that. But I don't go looking. Okay. I wish I did. That would be the funnest part of the job. But I don't do it. <laughs> I mean, if I go by an apple tree and I look, I can stop without causing a wreck, I do. But yeah. I don't go out looking. <laughs> What's the most interesting thing somebody has brought you? Um, oh, out of Whitefish, they brought me that uh, Scarlet Surprise. I already had one, but oh, I didn't yeah. know anybody else in the world knew about it. That's a decent apple. It's tart. A little sharp, but it's beautiful red inside and out. My hidden rose is beautiful inside, but it's ugly outside, <laughs> and it's very disease prone. So, so yeah. Did I, I you think, think that you were the only scarlet surprise in the area? I did. <laughs> and there, there's several I'm growing in whitefish. Somebody knew about it. There's one I'm growing by the bike trail. So if when you find out, tell me, because I'd like to know where it is. I'd like to go get, because mine is so young, I don't want to whack away at it. But I'd like yeah. to get some limbs next spring and make I, some more of it. It's a great novelty. You know, <laughs> I think right is the spice of life. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I'm, I'm pretty spiced up around here. <laughs> you know? Spiced up. I don't even know what, where all the spices are. <laughs> but anyhow, the pizza. People are always asking me, what's my favorite apple? He says, it's the one in my hand. <laughs> you know? I'm, not, I'm not quite that, not quite that Catholic about it, but um, yeah, I have a, couple of really favorite pears that I really love. I have a couple of plums that I really love. Only one of them is common in this area, the Italian prune. You just can't beat the Italian prune. Everybody sells it. So the only reason I sell it is because it's so good and I sell them little and cheap. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, I'm not trying to compete with the nurses. I'm trying to be a parallel of it. Yeah. Selling more unusual, smaller, cheaper trees. Because it's so good to plant them when they're small. And How many... Trees do you think you sell in a in a season or in the year? Probably, probably two or three hundred at the wow. most. Not many. Not many. So that's one reason it's not much for a living because I lose so many. I yeah. just have I spend I split my time between my maturing trees and my nursery trees, and I lose a lot of them. Yeah, they're they're very crafted trees are. Well, actually, you should think they're in the ICU. They've just been cut in half and put back together. You know? So they can't take any. They can't take any hard luck. Yeah. So you really got to be there with them. And I and I'm not. And I lose a lot of. If all of my, if all the trees I grafted made it, man, I would sell four or five hundred trees a year probably. But, but a lot of them turn out badly, and, and I have to keep them for an extra couple of years to try to train them to look more like a tree. And some of them just die outright on them. It's really, I think. A really hard-working young couple could make it work, maybe. <laughs> but I'm a half a man trying to do a three-man job here. It's basically what it comes down to. <laughs> so, yeah, I would love to find somebody. A young, a young couple would be perfect, but eventually it's got to be somebody that's got a little bit of money and a lot of work ethic. When you say does. you've always been fascinated with fruit trees, what is it about them? Why did they catch your interest? Well, I just always loved foraging in the woods. I've always liked like eating fresh food right off the vine or right off the tree. It's just better that way. It's more fun. It tastes better. <laughs> it's, it's more healthy. Do you have a, a mindset or a mind frame of why more people should be exposed to apples right off the tree as opposed to well, I just And it comes back to my whole philosophy. I think everybody should be more self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. I think growing things brings people together. They, they, under, they understand the natural world a little better. They and, and they need help every once in a while because things come in, come in rushes. 
Sometimes it's boring, but sometimes you really need help. People work. People love making cider here, and I do it the, the most inefficient possible way you can do it. I mean, it couldn't be any more inefficient. Uh, but people love it because they have to work together to make it work. I just think it builds community. It builds it builds knowledge of the natural world, and it builds a little bit of self-respect and confidence when people know how to make trees. I'm just a niche. Trees are much more important to me. I have a vegetable garden, but it's a jungle. I tell, I tell people, you don't, you don't pick in my garden, you forage. <laughs> it's, it's like being out in the wilderness. You kick aside the weeds and see what's there. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> trees are much more important to me. If the vegetables fail, that's just a one-year loss. If tree fails, I might have who knows how much energy and affection involved in that tree. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't like my trees to fail. My story about Rod and his orchard appears on the cover of this week's Flathead Beacon, which you can pick up on stands today. If you want to learn more about his home orchard project or get in touch with him for a tour, you can visit his website, montanaorchardproject.blogspot.com. And now, here are the biggest stories from the last seven days as of 10 p.m., Tuesday, October 5th. A new conservation partnership near Big Fork will protect 236 acres of forest land and open space while adding four miles of new community trails tracking along the Swan Mountain Range. Located on the flanks of Swan Hill a short distance from downtown Big Fork, the protected land, once poised for development of 17 new residential lots, will instead offer unfettered views of Flathead Lake and the Swan Range while providing public access to extraordinary front country recreational opportunities. The project was born out of a collaboration between the Trust for Public Land, Flathead Land Trust, and the Montana Land Reliance, which formed a partnership to create new community trails on a system that has seen a great increase in recreational uses in Big Fork's backyard. Across the state, starting October 24th, all local calls in Montana must be dialed with a 406 area code to connect due to changing federal regulations. Montana's 406 area code currently allows seven-digit dialing to complete local calls, but that will change this month due to a Federal Communication Commission order designating 988 as the new nationwide number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Some seven-digit numbers in Montana's 406 area code begin with 988, so to prevent misdialing the lifeline, all local calls in Montana must be dialed with 406 to begin. The 988 number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline will be available beginning July 2022. One-third of all Flathead Valley COVID-19 deaths since the start of the pandemic have occurred in the last three months, primarily in August and September, as a Delta variant-fueled surge that began in July has continued escalating and seeped into residential care facilities. Health officials say the deaths have included unvaccinated people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, in addition to the more common older ages. The data reflect a trend line of severe illness and death almost uniformly afflicting unvaccinated people in a county whose vaccination rate lags well behind the state's other most populous counties, although it has gradually ticked up in Flathead County from 40% in early August to 44% as of October 1st. The health department is now administering the COVID-19 vaccine every Tuesday from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Flathead County Fairgrounds Expo building for any residents who wish to receive one. 
10 days after a deadly Amtrak derailment killed three people in northern Montana, seven surviving passengers have filed suit against Amtrak and the BNSF Railroad, alleging negligence and seeking damages for injuries and psychological trauma. One of the plaintiffs is a whitefish man whose attorneys say he suffered psychological, physical, and emotional trauma after witnessing fellow passengers die during the crash. And finally, the first fall sports season has wrapped up after the Class A and AA state golf tournaments concluded last weekend. The Whitefish Bulldogs entered the boys' tournament as the defending individual and team champions, but were unable to match last year's finishes as the team took second to Laurel, led by junior Billy Smith's runner-up finish. In the AA tournament over in Bozeman, the Glacier Wolfpack boys had their best finish in a decade, finishing runner-up to Gallatin. Will Salonen and Tyler Avery were the top finishers for Glacier, finishing 4th and 6th, respectively. The state soccer tournaments are coming up and will start in a few weeks, and the cross-country season is set to wrap up on October 23rd down in Missoula. That's all for this week. If you have not yet picked up the fall issue of Flathead Living Magazine, which finally showed up, be sure to grab one off stands now. And if your interest in apples has been piqued by this podcast or the Flathead Beacon cover story, it's still the perfect time of year to go find a wild apple tree, tour a local orchard, or take part in some cider pressing. This episode of the Flathead Beacon podcast was hosted, edited, mixed, and produced by me, Micah Drew. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.